Ready? Yep, go for it. Welcome to the April episode of Trial Card Talk, the official monthly podcast series brought to you by the good folks at Trial Card Incorporated. Trial Card is a full-service life sciences commercialization company that provides comprehensive solutions that span the entire biopharmaceutical value chain. In addition to a foundation of fully integrated, digitally enabled patient support services, its broader offerings include everything from late-stage clinical trial management to post-marketing HCP engagement services and proprietary data-as-a-service payer intelligence and insights. Founded in the year 2000, TrialCard provides commercialization needs for more than 400 life science customers and has connected over 36 million patients with more than $22 billion in branded drug savings to date. The company is headquartered in Morrisville, North Carolina. And for more information about TrialCard, please visit us at TrialCard.com. My name is Landy Townsend, the VP of Marketing and Communications here at TrialCard. And as usual, I'm joined by Eric Manning, TrialCard's Creative Director. Eric, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for asking. Fantastic. Well, we are, uh, as I mentioned before, we are in April. We are near the end of April. We have gotten through... Uh, the NCAA tournament, we've gotten through spring break, Easter, and um, we are gearing up toward, well, right now we have the NHL playoffs going on. Our, our Hurricanes are up 2-0 against the uh, New York Islanders, so hopefully that'll continue. But here at Trial Card, we're also making final preparations for the Assembia Pharmacy Summit uh, that's taking place in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. The marketing team, specifically Amber Buff, is making final arrangements to execute on our strategy in Las Vegas, and so we're looking forward to that. We're taking a big crew of people to Sin City. Uh, we look forward to this meeting every year, and we always get a lot out of it. So um, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to be there, um, please reach out to us. We'd love to meet with you while we're there. But today, we're here to talk about the April episode of the podcast. Um, we have a very special guest with us today, so let's get right to it. So on today's episode of Trial Card Talk, you, you, you frequent listeners know that we usually feature somebody from the Trial Card team to talk about one of our capabilities or services. We've had a number of people on in the past uh, couple of years. Um, today, we're taking a different approach, and we're actually bringing in somebody from outside of our organization to talk about healthcare, to talk about consulting, to talk about a number of different things. Our guest today is Dean Earhart, MBA, who's the president and CEO of D2 Solutions. Dean, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Landy, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, you know, I think you and Scott Doolitz, our CEO, had had a conversation uh, maybe a couple of months ago. And um, an idea was born that uh, we could feature you on an upcoming podcast to talk a little bit more about what you do and how you partner with us. First of all, um, can can you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your education, your career path, and and how you ended up uh, in the consulting world. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> briefly, my name is Dean Earhart. As uh, you indicated, I am the president and CEO of a company called D2 Solutions, a lot of people know us as D2 Pharma Consulting, which is the original name of the organization and the name we ran under for a number of years, but eventually um, evolved into D2 Solutions uh, because we've really combined strategic consulting with digital technology and to digital solutions, which I know we're going to talk about as we move forward. So 
Personally, I've been in the industry for uh, a long time, for over 30 years, have been uh, in the consulting side since 2004. Prior to that, I was with a small company in St. Louis by the name of Express Scripts. I'm sure you've heard of it. I was a VP in a couple of different capacities there. And prior to that, spent a number of years with both Cardinal Health and a company called U.S. Healthcare, which was a staff model HMO that eventually got acquired by Aetna. So I've had the the privilege, Landy, of being able to see the industry from a variety of different uh, kind of perspectives in my corporate career. And since we started D2, have had the privilege of working with uh, at least a, a couple of hundred manufacturers, including numerous pharmacies, PBMs, hospital systems, and others, as we've developed solutions in the market to be able to solve for, you know, kind of very specific but very niche problems. Yeah, absolutely. And so take me back to when the uh, relationship between D2 and trial cards started. Well, well, I hate to admit this, Landy, but I, I probably, and Scott's going to shoot me for this, I've probably known Scott since he and I were both young and had hair, of which neither one of us have hair anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, the relationship with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, Scott, uh, the previous management team, Joe, obviously, as well, um, goes back uh, all of, you know, 10 or 15 years. Uh, they were very familiar in the specialty space with my partner, David Sushanik, who was unable to join us today. Yeah, but uh, but as an organization, one of the areas where we've really developed a reputation is helping pharmacies, particularly those in the specialty pharmacy space, really take a look at their business model around how do they become more operationally efficient? How do they drive revenue opportunities with manufacturers? What requirements are there to be in network for limited distribution products? Um, and then, uh, so so a lot of those activities are the activities that we've worked with trial card on the pharmacy side. And then more recently, we've been engaged with uh, some of the other divisions of trial card, notice, notably policy reporter, mm -hmm. which really complements um, what we do in the marketplace, which is one of our divisions is what we call market access, where we have a market access team that actually is going out and selling, calling on payers, so commercial, Medicare, Medicaid, VA, DOD, um, to be able to get coverage on behalf of small and mid-sized manufacturers. So in that realm, we're now working with uh, different divisions of the organization, helping some of the emerging pharma companies that are clients of Trial Card globally to be able to take a take the next step in where they need to go relative to how do they uh, how do they gain market access, and we can kind of do some of the things that as an organization Trial Card doesn't do to complement that service and that need. Yeah, I'm sure as as uh, over the past five years or so, as as the acquisitions have come and come and come and come. Uh, you know the relationship has has broadened with D two, and you all are helping us on on a lot of different levels. I think at this point, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct, Landy. It's a, it's a, you know great to have long term relationships in this industry and really strong long term partners where you can partner together to drive um, opportunities in the market and to drive uh, value in the market. And I think that's where. D2 and trial card are really coming together in a unique opportunity to be able to take a look at these emerging manufacturers and bring value across both sides of that spectrum to which when we put it together, um, you know, can really drive the nuances of what these organizations need, right? They need to be able to have a distribution model that is successful. They need to have a have reimbursement strategy that's successful. And that's complemented by both what kind of coverage can they get in the marketplace as well as how can Dryocard assist in their affordability needs for individual patients. 
Right. Dean, give our listeners an idea a, a little bit. When we talk about D2, is D2 considered a, a larger company? Is it small? Is it midsize? When, when did it start? Tell us a little bit about the history of D2. Well, we uh, we started D2 officially in 2008. And so, Landy, we had uh, five full-time employees at that point. Today, we've got over 30 full-time employees and a host of additional contractors that we use for various different projects. Um, last year in 2022, uh, we touched in the range of 115, 117 clients serving um, you know, traditional manufacturers, biotech manufacturers, pharmacies, hospitals, PBMs, and others. So I would say that we're more of a um, emerging mid-sized company uh, from a consulting perspective. Um, and we've combined really the consulting side with a variety of technology solutions to be able to really bring together the 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 um, intellectual capacity of being able to see the solution from a manufacturer's perspective, and then drive the solution and uh, and using technology to do that. So, when we look at the market today, Landy, I'll just go on for here for a minute. Um, you know, we see very specific pain points. We see pain points related to to the human capital side, right? So it's a struggle today to be able to hire enough people to put into a pharmacy or a call center or other environments, hospital structures, because there just doesn't seem to be enough people, affordable people or talented people in the right areas to be able to find the right skill set to be able to staff accordingly. Many of these organizations that we work are also working with what we would call, you know, older legacy technologies. And those technologies just aren't um, very fluid in terms of being able to leverage technology solutions that can help them drive efficiency. And then we've got just an onslaught of regulatory activities in the marketplace. Last year, we've got a, a regulatory that we tool that we've developed. Last year, as an example, in 2022, we tracked over 2,800 regulatory updates from over 70 different um, organizations, 50 state boards of pharmacy, DEA, FDA, CDC. So, so we're getting to a point where it's almost impossible for organizations, unless they are of a material size, to be able to keep up on some of these activities. So, so what we've done is really centralized a lot of that activity where we can then push it out to multiple stakeholders and create an environment where they can become much more compliant and much more operationally efficient, leveraging these digital tools that we've created. That's great. That's great. Would would you say that's really the differentiator for for D two? Um, you know, that sets you apart from the rest of the the other consulting companies out there. Or if if not, what is the differentiator for a company like yours? Yeah, I, I think our differentiator we can slice into kind of three pieces, right? It's the it's the intellectual side or the experience side, of being able to say, look, we can really assist in being your strategic consultant. So we can come in and we can do the whiteboard and we can help you think through the issues on the table and come up with a strategy that makes sense based on the, the nuances of your business. Right. The second piece is really the implementation. And this is really a big differentiator for us with manufacturers, particularly because it's not just we're going to tell you what to do, but in many instances, we're going to help you do it. So we're going to help you go out and set up your distribution infrastructure. We're going to go out and get contracts with payers to get you reimbursed. So it's both the, the strategic side and the implementation side. And then we 
we we kind of follow that, Landy, with the technology side. So now, in our partnership with Trialcard and others, we can say to them, now we're going to bring you um, kind of third piece of that pie, which is you have distribution, you have reimbursement. Now, how are you going to identify patients, capture those patients, get them on therapy, and keep them on therapy? Right. Great, great. You you hinted about uh, at this a little bit already, uh, Dean, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to to expound upon it a bit. Um, you talked about um, combining top notch consulting with with cutting edge technology. Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe give us some examples of how D two does that for its customers? Absolutely. So, as an example, we have a variety of different technology solutions that we've created, um, some more in the pharmacy patient services model, some more in really the pharmacy operations model. So as an example, I'll touch on a couple of quick ones. We have a tool that we call UltraTouch Engage, and that engagement program is a platform that was built on gaming technology. So Landy, if you think about gaming technology, gaming technology is really all about real-time response time to a consumer. So we were challenged by one of our manufacturer clients several years ago who basically said, look, here's our problem. We have a particular product in a particular therapeutic area where we know 20 to 50%, which was a number that I fell off my chair when they said it, but 20 to 50% of the prescriptions we get never get filled. And another 50% of the prescriptions we actually fill we know we lose those patients in the first six to 12 months of therapy. So they really challenged us with go out and figure out how can we solve for this? And we went to the marketplace and, you know, this was several years ago, five, six years ago, and we really just didn't find a ready, easily to access, easy to deploy solution that they could use broadly across their book of business uh, as a manufacturer um, who's working with, you know, multiple constituents in the marketplace. The Engage is a tool then that we ended up going out and inquiring, acquiring that, again, is built on gaming technology that can be real response time. So if you think about a game, if I throw a bomb into a building versus I drive a tank into a building versus I'm sniping people off the top of the building, the game responds in real time immediately based on the response of me, the consumer. We took a look at what was going on in the patient environment, and while there were some decent, what I would call texting platforms, they were fairly rudimentary in their ability at the time to be able to be responsive to the patient. So what our engagement platform is, is it's built on gaming technology where depending on how that patient responds, we can respond in real time as well, just like in a gaming environment platform. So whether that be hey, I, I, I need to get a copy of your insurance card or I need to talk to a pharmacist or I have a question about my medication. Based on the branching logic of this engagement tool, we can drive that patient to a variety of outcomes, again, in functionally in real time as they're asking questions of the system. The second tool I'll touch on briefly is called UltraTouch Verify, and it's an automated prior auth platform that effectively takes the, the guesswork out of prior auth submission. So if you're familiar with prior auth submissions, everyone that does that knows that the majority of the time when you get denied a PA, it's not because the patient isn't qualified for that drug. It's typically because something is missing from that prior authorization form or submission to the payer. 
And the payers don't necessarily make this stuff readily available. What we've done is created a platform where we will actually tell the submitting agent uh, exactly what's due for that particular payer. So that might be different if you're doing an Anthem claim versus a Blue Cross of Illinois claim versus a Select Health out of Utah claim. But by virtue of telling the person who's submitting it or the entity that's submitting it what's required for that PA, it ensures that they're submitting the right information specific to that payer. And we can also make sure that all of the form is filled out correctly, much like you can't order something from Amazon if you don't include your credit card number. We can make sure that if somebody didn't check male or female, or they didn't include the growth hormone chart, or whatever the case might be, that we're capturing that information up front before it's submitted. Because of that structure, Landy, what we've been able to do is cut PA turnaround times, typically in the industry, from, you know, five to seven days to less than 24 hours, in fact, less than 22 hours right now on several thousand PAs that we're processing in a given month. So the turnaround time is is, is really good, but even more importantly, 96 plus percent of the PAs we submit get approved the first time through. And that takes a lot of duplicate work off the labor group that is submitting these prior offs. That is so outstanding. Really, yeah, that's really two of our, our you know, digital tools on the patient services side that we're pretty excited about. That's outstanding. That's that's good news for everybody. That's good news for the patient. That's good news for the physician. That's good news for the the pharma company. Um, that's that's really impressive. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Let's change gears here for a second and talk about the leadership at D two. I'm sure you have lots of great help uh, at your disposal, but tell me a little bit about your leadership team. Yeah, no, we've got a great team that has a tremendous amount of experience in in the marketplace. I I already described my experience. Uh, David Suchanik, who's now our chief growth officer, has uh, you know been with the organization since we started, was one of the original partners, has 30 or so years of experience, although he tries to uh, to downplay that from an age perspective, but I think that's just because <laughs> he likes to be funny. Um, but he's a you know he's a pharmacist by training and is really one of the industry experts on specialty pharmacy, on limited distribution channels, been very involved in setting up. Uh, the probably I would say the the majority, um, if not the even even a larger percentage of the limited distribution programs in the marketplace. Our chief operating officer, Laura Ribenstein, another pharmacist, I think she's licensed now in 22 states, comes out of Cancer Treatment Centers of America. So again, brings a tremendous amount of experience in the specialty space and really looking at how to. Um, drive results on behalf of our uh, manufacturer partners, but even more so on behalf of our pharmacy partners. She's been the driving force behind a variety of digital tools that we've created for pharmacies that we call the compliance suite. And uh, we can talk about that maybe in a couple of minutes, but it's really about accreditation compliance, licensing compliance, and regulatory compliance. Our, our our CIO, Jim McGuire, is another person that's got 30 plus years in the industry, was uh, CIO and chief operating officer for a major hub provider prior to joining us, uh, came out of Systems Excellence where he was the CIO for um, Systems Excellence uh, for a number of years as the uh, technology lead with that PBM before it got acquired by OptumRx. 
So uh, again, just a tremendous expertise in the marketplace and his uh, IT team that he's developed um, here onshore in the U.S. as well as some offshore activities is uh, really a 24-hour shop that is able to drive solutions on behalf of our clients in, in what seems like just record time in terms of output. And then Greg Isaac is our CFO, and uh, Greg and I worked together 25 years ago at Express Scripts, um, and he uh, spent a number of years with um, uh, Vizient, or not Vizient, with uh, Premier, the uh, GPO, as well as a different infusion company as well. But again, has a tremendous amount of insight and expertise into the specialty space. And then we've got various different business unit leaders with our compliance team, with our market access team, with our trade team. And all of those folks have tremendous experience in the marketplace and bring a lot of expertise and working across a lot of different client types. Sounds like you've got a great group of people there driving the business. Um, you mentioned uh, just a moment ago, you mentioned the compliance suite when you were talking about the leadership team. Let's let's uh, go back to that and uh, dig a little deeper on on what the compliance suite is and, and what you'd like everyone to know about that. Yeah, so the compliance suite um, really started a number of years ago when we helped especially pharmacies, to get accredited. And then, you know, two years and six months later, they would call us up and say, come in and help me get reaccredited. And we would very quickly find out that much of what they were supposed to be doing as part of their compliance requirements, i.e. having monthly uh, meetings and having monthly minutes, making sure their policy procedures were updated on an ongoing basis and not lapsing when they became due, you know, on January 1st. And what we found is many of the organizations uh, didn't really get that done, not necessarily because they didn't want to, but they just didn't really have the expertise in-house and or the bandwidth in-house when you're trying to, as you know, push scripts out all day, because uh, that's how you make money. So so they just really didn't have the bandwidth to get it done. So we ended up creating uh, initially what we now call Accreditation Comply, which is a compliance tool where we're tracking 25 plus accreditation types. So URAC, ACHC, NABP, Joint Commission, CPPA, and, and various different subspecialties underneath those various different categories. But what it does is it helps pharmacies to be able to stay compliant to the requirements based on their specific um, accreditation requirements. And it provides them a dashboard on a daily basis where they can see what's due, what's not due, and uh, and how that needs to be driven based on a variety of everything from shipping validation review to HR and personal, personnel uh, file audits to policies and procedures, as I mentioned a minute ago. And what we've learned with this tool, Landy, is that not only is it a great tool to help you keep accredited and stay accredited, but it's also a significant labor savings. We've been able to measure with our clients that just in, in man hours, in labor hours, it'll save organizations typically over $80,000 a year in labor hours for non-reaccreditation years and over $160,000 a year in those years when you have to get um, reaccredited. The second tool is a tool we call regulatory compliant. As I mentioned earlier, we tracked over 2,800 um, regulatory alerts in 2022 from 70 plus different agencies. And what we do is we customize that based on the nuances of that pharmacy. So what geogra ge geographic area are you practicing in? How many licenses do you have? Do you do C2 products? Do you not do C2 products? And then we customize how these alerts that we're gathering from across the country come in. 
and how they get pushed to you based on where they need to get prioritized. Do they go to the pharmacy? Do they go to your compliance team? Do they go to legal? And so you don't need to be looking at a spinach recall in California if you're a pharmacy that's licensed in Alabama and you're not doing groceries. But yet people get inundated with information that in as many cases not important to them. They still have to funnel through it to figure out which of the downloads actually mean something to me and which ones don't. So what we've done is basically created a model where uh, we can identify and prioritize those alerts that are important to a pharmacy's business. I, again, we've been working at this now for about five years, and we've been able to demonstrate with uh, clients that we have that that this represents a little north of about 50% decrease in overall time spent reviewing, documenting, and uh, and really assigning corrective actions for alerts. And the last piece I'll touch base on, Landy, very quickly is what we call license compliance. And many organizations, be it pharmacies, and now we're dealing with a lot of hospital specialty pharmacies, um, you don't know, have a multitude of licenses that they need to track, whether it's pharmacist licenses, facility licenses, uh, Medicaid licenses, um, technician licenses, in some cases, nurse licenses. And clearly, as organizations are um, licensed to practice in more states, you know, I'm licensed in 20 states or 30 states or 40 states, that burden becomes even higher. So we developed this tool to basically track all of the applications and renewals, do it in a single database, and then provide resources around things like dispensing guidelines and CMS requirements so that that pharmacy can stay ahead of the curve on what's needed, when it's needed, when they need to submit a new license, you know, what's due for that particular license, uh, et cetera. So we are currently supporting more than 25 types of licenses across uh, really multiple areas of discipline. And, and again, we've been able to see where it has a tremendous decrease in the labor required to track that if you were tracking that as an individual pharmacy, particularly if you're licensed in multiple states. It's terrific. Sounds like a, a big uh, a big success with all of those things that you mentioned. Dean, who's your customer for your various technology solutions? Well, well, the fun part about that, Landy, is that um, you know our our customers we're seeing in a variety of spectrums, right? So clearly, pharmacies are part of our 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 client base. Again, we really built this and merged this out of specialty pharmacies. <clears throat> more and more, we're working with uh, hub providers um, who are struggling with the labor shortage today and are, in many cases, really challenged with having enough enough bodies in the chairs to do the work. And so I like to, to look at this as what we're doing for a lot of organizations, and I think trial card is a great example, is really helping to take high volume but low value activity and digitizing much of that activity so that the staff, when they're engaged with patients and engaged with services, can really be focused on the more high value activities that can drive you know, revenue and value for the manufacturer clients, in this case, that that trial card serves. Um, certainly, um, from our perspective, uh, manufacturers are a major client of ours, and that includes, you know, traditional manufacturers, especially manufacturers. We also work with a variety of uh, medical device organizations. And, and then again, what we're seeing is the emergence of hospital system specialty pharmacies, and, and those organizations are um, in dire need in some cases of really being able to 
um, provide services in a, in a more efficient fashion. And so that creates a whole new opportunity for us that we're moving forward with. Great. Uh, since you mentioned trial card, um, I wanted to ask, you know, how is D2 currently working with trial card? I, I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, our, our longstanding relationship with you. I know you go back way, uh, a long way with, with, uh, different people here in the organization. Uh, we are ga- getting ready for, for Assembia as many companies are. And I, and I think you guys are, uh, planning on going to Las Vegas as well, but talk a little bit about the, the relationship with trial card and, and what D2 is doing. Yeah, I think what we're uh, what we're doing is a couple of things with trial card. Um, first and foremost, we've been uh, really working with the uh, non-dispensing pharmacy to ensure that that pharmacy is really operating at an optimal level. In some cases, taking care of the taking advantage rather of the digital tools that uh, we've talked about, but really um, being in a position to grow that business that that trial card is capturing is right now very impressive and looks to be at a pretty significant growth curve. Our expertise in the build-out of pharmacies, the workflow of pharmacies, the technology of pharmacies puts us in a unique position to work with the team there to really uh, enable you to be able to understand, you know, what is a manufacturer looking for in that service components, and then how do I need to structure myself to be able to really have a growth arc that is pretty dynamic. In addition, I think I mentioned a little bit ago, we're working with Policy Reporter to be able to supplement Policy Reporter as it relates to programs on behalf of manufacturers who may need a little bit of an extra reach into the marketplace where maybe they have a couple of national account people, but they don't have a lot of national account people. So how do they reach into the payer community and drive access within the payer community? And then we're clearly in discussions around a variety of the technology tools. And, you know, I think we're going to see where where we're really emerging on some models that can differentiate uh, both organizations, but really drive a significant value to pharma, obviously a client that we all share. I'm certain to know that we value that partnership with you all and, and, and have a, have a long, uh, a long relationship. So that's, that's fantastic. So Dean, let me ask you this. Um, this is something that I, I think you you can speak eloquently on. Um, I wanted to get your take on what's going on today in patient services and with payers. Um, a lot of changes over the over the past you know several years. But w- wanted to ask you where you see it going and how it you see it evolving over the next say twenty four to thirty six months. Yeah, great question, actually, Landy. Great question. So I'm going to split the baby here and, and talk about patients first and then and then payers. But look, patients are different now than they were five years ago. And five years from now, they're going to be even more different because people are getting um, very, very used to managing their health care in their pocket, i.e. with their smartphone. Mm-hmm. And that's only going to be more evident as, and I don't mean to be um, morbid here, But as more of the elderly population passes over the next few years and kind of the next evolution of the elderly, which I'm starting to look more and more like, by the way, um, (laughs) has experience working with their cell phone, working with smartphone, using that as an ongoing tool. And if we're not in front of using that as a tool going forward, we're going to be left behind. We are what I'm calling right now in the age of volatility. And what that means is that change is happening faster than at any time that we've ever seen in the marketplace. And the market is more difficult, right? Margins are tight. Labor pool is tight. AI is changing how we have to look at the marketplace. And patients are expecting 
that the experience they're getting in other areas, and we you know joke about the Amazon experience, but the experience they're getting in other areas should be the same as what they get in healthcare. So if I get on my phone and uh, you know click a couple of buttons, I expect to to see some changes relative to how I can manage my healthcare outcome. I think what we're going to see in the next 24 to 36 months really is a dramatic increase in consumer-driven healthcare where people can have their health records literally on their smartphone while they're interacting with their doctor and you know their other constituents in the delivery of their health on their health phone or on their smartphone. So I think that this consumer-driven model we're going to see it accelerating at a record pace and AI is certainly going to be a part of that. But I think the, the larger part is simply going to be driven by as the population ages, we now have people who've had 20 years of cell phone experience who know how to use that tool as, as a tool and not just something that they pick up and answer when somebody calls them. I think you're right. On the payer side, um, look, we, we all know the challenges with the payers, right? There's, there's a lot fewer of them than there were 15, 20 years ago. And they're a lot more influential. And the integrated payer market, if you take a look at, you know, the 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 ESIs, the CVSs, the Optums, and how they have the GPO, they've got the payer, they've got the specialty pharmacy, um, and they've got the PBM, you know, they're all working towards the same thing, which is how do I have an integrated um, cradle-to-grave model where I can take care of these patients um, over the over the co continuity of their lifespan. And I think the big challenge they're having and the big challenge they're going to continue to have is pulling the data together from this those disparate points so that they can actually manage that patient efficiently. And that's where I think organizations like D2, like TrialCard, who are interacting with those patients in different ways can become more and more important partners to the payer side of the equation, not just the pharma side of the equation, to be able to integrate data in a way that enables better patient management. Great, that's a, that's a fantastic answer. Thank you for that, um, Dean. When you when you think about um, life science vendor partners, pharma, biotech vendor partners, what what are some of the key attributes or behaviors that really differentiate and sustain those business relationships? Yeah, I think as a we sit in a unique place because as an independent consulting firm, you know, we get sometimes the good, the bad, and the ugly from our manufacturer clients who are working with, you know, various pharmacies, various hubs, but various stakeholders in the marketplace. And if there's one consistent thing that that we tend to hear, it's I want my partners to bring me solutions. I don't want them to simply do always what I tell them to do, which of course, look, I want them to do do what they're getting paid to do and I want them to hit their, their service level requirements. But I really want partners that bring me solutions and bring me added value. And I think that's where we really have to challenge ourselves, again, in the age of volatility as to how do we stay just slightly ahead of the curve of change so that we know we're bringing more value to our manufacturer clients uh, so that they are looking at these relationships as, you know, these are the people I really want to partner with because they're bringing innovative ideas, they're bringing innovative solutions, they're helping me do more with less, and they're helping drive uh, 
drive revenue in terms of new revenue opportunities. They're helping to drive margin because they're taking cost out of my infrastructure. And at the same time, they're lowering my exposure to risk because of uh, whether it be loss of revenue risk or whether it be regulatory risk. And if I have a partner that can help drive those three elements of my business, that's a partner that I really value. Outstanding. Outstanding. Dean, we're, we're, our time is uh, drawing to a close, but um, and I wanted first of all, I want to thank you for for joining us today. And I, I think we could go on for another couple of hours just listening to you talk about your experience and your your opinions on where we're going and where we're where we've been. Um, but I did want to give you sort of the final word. Um, is, is there when we, we think about uh, our our listening audience and uh, the pharma uh, life science decision makers that that are out there? Um, is there anything else that you'd like to leave them with or that you'd like to to tell them about D2 and, and what you guys do? I think what life science manufacturers really have to think about today is that change is constant. And, and if we think we're going to go back to a more, call it static state or pre-COVID state, um, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. So, so I think they really have to challenge themselves to say, you know, I can't do things the way I did them yesterday. I need to be thinking about how do I do them tomorrow? And I think that's where absolutely an organization like D2, who's who's really been trying to get ahead of that curve for a number of years now with innovative technology. And, and that's where I think the partnership between D2 and TrialCard just becomes a little bit of, of, of magic because we can bring solutions together that uh, neither one of us have alone, but even more importantly, nobody has in the marketplace today. And I think that's where, you know, in the manufacturer side of this coin really needs to to kind of stop and think and say, you know, if I'm real looking for somebody that can be a partner, whether they have the total solution today or whether I need a slightly different total solution tomorrow, who are the types of organizations that, that have the creativity, the innovation and the forward thinking to get me there? And I think that's, uh, you know, that's a message that we certainly want to get out to pharma and I think, uh, you know, the relationship again here with trial card is, is just adds a little special magic to that sauce. Right. Dean, if uh, somebody hears this podcast and wants to get in touch with you, how, how's the best way to do that? So they can always get a hold of us through our website, which is www.d2rx.com. Uh, they can call our St. Louis office at 636-537-7805. Or if they want to call me direct, they can feel free to call me direct on my cell phone, which is 314 314- Three zero eight two zero two eight. Dean, I can't thank you enough. Uh, it's been great uh, this past hour just listening to you. Um, I look forward to uh, to seeing you in Vegas in a couple of weeks. The pleasure will be all mine, Landy. Thank you so much for the opportunity to to share some thoughts and to be a part of this podcast. Thank you. Okay, take care. You bet. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Dean, Eric. What do you think? Pretty impressive. Very informative. Uh, it's always good to hear about the different companies and, uh, and partnerships that we have with, with others out there in the industry. And uh, I was not aware of them before today. So it, it's, it's good for everybody that works in trial card to hear about the different people that we work with. Yeah, yeah. Intelligent guy, very well spoken. I enjoyed that. I think like like we said before, we could have probably talked to him for a, another hour or so. Or or he he definitely could have talked for another hour. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, th- with that, we're going to bring this edition of Trial Card Talk to a close. We hope you've enjoyed the subject matter as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. And um, if you've heard something today that piques your curiosity and you want to hear more, please check out our entire library of episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, 
please subscribe, rate, and review us. And if you'd like to know more about any of our services, please send us an email at sales at trialcard.com. Thanks again to Dean for joining us. Thanks also to Eric for producing this episode. And uh, we will talk to you in May. The Trial Card Talk podcast is a production of Trial Card Incorporated. As mentioned, it is edited and produced by Trial Card Creative Director Eric Manning. Trial Card Talk and its content are the property of Trial Card Incorporated, Morrisville, North Carolina, U.S. We'll be right back.